Please be seated. What does the Lord require of you? That's what the lesson from Micah had to say. Seems to me to beg the question, how can the Lord require anything of us? Isn't it a matter of choice? The Lord requires things, but what's the measure of it? We don't graduate or succeed or triumph in any measurable way based on the Lord's requirements. This is thought, intention, and the basis of ethics. This last famous phrase from Micah is often called the basis of Christian or basic basis of theological ethics, justice, mercy, and humility. But aren't these really just suggestions? Suggestions written down a long time ago, but reiterated and revalidated over time. Suggestions, true, they are suggestions in the sense that when you jump out of an airplane, it's suggested that you pull your ripcord. But they are suggestions. There's nobody here taking uh, count and judging us visibly on these words. And so we have each other to deal with. We have ourselves to deal with. But we have choices. Nobody's forcing us to pick up a Bible. And there are many, many dusty Bibles that prove this. Nobody's forcing us. Micah, he paints a picture of a sort of a cosmic cosmic forum, a cosmic courtroom, a universal UN, like with the mountains and the hills being the witnesses, and God is there as the plaintiff, and humanity is there as the defendant, and because this is such a universal picture and paradigm, it's not just for someone out there, it's for us too. We can't disinclude ourselves from the picture. We are it, and it's about us. And it's the greatest scale you can imagine, but that means it's the smallest. God is constantly trying to do this through the prophetic works, trying to say, you have to see me the way I want to be seen. You have to see me for who I am, a God of love. And by the same token, God is constantly trying to see us for who we are, not just a dream. And ultimately, that bears out in the witness of Christ when God actually appears and lives and dies with us to, to know us fully. And what happens in Micah's story is very much like Elijah, when Elijah hid and looked for God in a storm and a fire and a great wind and all these things, and God was not in any of those. And like this, God is saying, by way of Micah, no, I don't want thousands of rams to be killed for me. I don't want rivers of holy oil to be poured for me. I don't, I don't want your firstborn. God forbid. I just want a little justice, a, a little mercy, a little humility. That's all. And I will appear in a still, small voice. In our world, we've surrounded ourselves with technology and 
gadgets, pop culture commentators blasting us on the radio and in the paper, everywhere we turn, and all kinds of different conflicts that distract us from this central conversation about who we are and what our true choices are, and it makes us hard. It makes it hard for us to get access to the simplicity that God keeps reiterating. And this is not new. This is not a modern phenomenon. Uh, yes, we have different gadgets here. There's one right there. And, but when Micah was writing, God is saying the same thing. You're, do, you're doing the calves. You're doing the grams. You're doing the oil. You're doing, for a while, you were doing firstborn. Set. I don't want any of that. And those are distractions from this conversation. God has been dismayed at our distractions and longing for us at least since 700 B.C., basically forever. And it is we who go off in other directions for all kinds of reasons. The early psalmist wrote, I think it's number 51, You called in distress, I answered you. Oh, that my people would heed me. Israel would walk in my ways at once. I would subdue their foes and fill their mouths with honey from the rock. Old, old, old promises. So Jesus is up on the mountain, supposedly, uh, teaching his disciples. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven will be theirs. Blessed are the meek and those who mourn and those who are merciful and those who thirst for justice. And blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And blessed are you when you suffer. Be glad. Rejoice. Your reward is in heaven. And uh, Simon Peter puts up his hand and says, wait, wait, are we supposed to know this stuff? And Andrew says, am I supposed to be taking notes on this? And James puts up his hand and says, wait, is there going to be a test on this? And, and Philip says, wait, I, I forgot my pencil. And Bartholomew says, wait a second, do we have to turn this in at the end of the class? And and John says, wait a second, now the other disciples didn't have to learn this. How come we have to do this? And Matthew is like, can I go to the bathroom? And, and Judas is like, what does this have to do with my real life? And then a Pharisee who's been lurking in the shadows uh, speaks up and says, excuse me, can I see your lesson plan for this? Huh? Right? What is your anticipatory set here with this material? What are the objectives in the, in the cosmic kingdom here, the domain and Jesus wept. Let's face it. Neither Jesus, nor our teachers, nor our parents, nor our pastors can require anything of us. All we can really do is pray together for the desire. Pray together for the sense of these as our goal in life. Pray together that we want these things, like Don Quixote, this is my quest to follow the star, no matter how hopeless, no matter how far, but ours is not hopeless. That's the difference. We have the risen Christ. Our hope is eternal, not just missing. We lift our eyes to the witnessing hills, and our help comes every time we ask. So justice is fairness. Justice is giving the benefit of the doubt to the people in your household and your family, making blessed peace with those close to you. And 
Mercy is being kind, just being kind, to give what you can give, to fill some tummies, as we're trying to do. And humility is really just modesty. It's not considering yourself any less or any more than anybody else. That's humility. It's not groveling, and it's not triumph. The story goes there were two clergy fellers arguing about the relative merits of their faith traditions, and at one point, one of them says, wait a second, why, why, why are we arguing here now? We shouldn't argue. After all, we're both doing the Lord's work, you in your way and I in his. <laughs> Humility is not assuming that you've got the inside track or boasting or lording it over others. It's taking and using the power we have for good. Like a great but self-effacing champion whose event is service above self. For what God has said to us through the prophets and through Jesus the Christ is that our happiness, our happiness lies in what we long for. Our happiness will always lie in what it is we're longing for. We can look at the absurd humiliation of the cross and realize it to be the divine version of our quest. And then pray, Lord, I want to be more just. Lord, I want to be more merciful. Lord, I want to be more humble. In my heart, in my heart, Lord, I want to be more loving. In my heart. Amen.